Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people, the whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Liberty. My name is Steve Huber, and I serve as the director of the Liberty Communion of Churches. And I want to start just by naming all the Liberty churches. We see churches and leaders being named and honored in the New Testament, and we're going to do that this morning. Uh, let's start with Liberty Glassboro and Pastor Ted Jordan. They replanted this church this past year and joined our Communion of Churches there in South Jersey. And the other New Jersey church is Liberty Collingswood, celebrated a 10-year anniversary. So we want to give a shout-out to them and Pastor Jim Enger. In Philadelphia, we have Fairmount, uh, the first Liberty Church, Pastor Scott Crosby. Liberty River Wards, where Stephen Wood and Larry Walker serve. Uh, in the Northeast, we have Evan Curry serving as a pastor, and they've been... Uh, particularly encouraging to one of our new plants, which you're going to hear about in a second, Liberty Bristol. Just outside the city, we have Bridge Glenside, where Angelo Giuliani and Josh Matcha serve. And to the west of the city, on the main line, we have Liberty Main Line, Pastor Matt Harmon. Going further west in the Pennsylvania State Capitol, we have at Liberty Harrisburg, Matt Luloyan. And then uh, I want to name a couple of church plants. So continue to pray for Liberty Tampa, where John Robinson was sent out. He, was, he had served for years at Liberty Harrisburg, and he's still in the process of planting that congregation. Pray for him. And the newest Liberty Church plant, gathering now, launching, Lord willing, this year in 2024, uh, Liberty Bristol, southeast corner of Bucks County, Pray for Kyle, Connect, and their whole team. Uh, I also want to name and honor Pastor Vito Baldini, who attends Liberty Mainline, still serves as a Liberty pastor, and really is a pastor at large with small things, uh, addressing food insecurity, actually serving between seven and 9,000 families weekly at distribution points all over the region. And I want to give a greeting to and from Covenant Church, where I serve as lead pastor, the host of Liberty Leadership Day for the past couple years, and also pray for this, Covenant Church is exploring partnership with the Liberty Communion. So, greetings to everybody in the name of Jesus. Here's what we're doing today. This is a sermon, this is a remember who you are kind of sermon. This is intentionally going back to basics. Uh, this is a remember, let's remember where God, what God has called us to. Let's remember who we are. Let's remember the family we're a part of and what we've been given. I'm going to read a short passage from the book of Galatians. It's written to, okay, the church in the city had a lot of people who were Gentiles, 
and they wonder if they really belong. They wonder if they've done enough, and really if Jesus has done enough for them, for them to belong to the people of God. And the passage I'm reading is part of a larger argument that the Apostle Paul is making, that they do indeed belong. They're part of the family. Listen to God's word from Galatians 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. This is God's word. Uh, there are all kinds of gifts that we can give each other throughout our lives. Often the best gifts are the personal gifts. The best gifts are the ones that showed thought, whether it's handmade or it, showed, it, it was chosen with such care. It's like, I know you. Uh, what God gives us in Christ and what this passage says we're brought into, God gives us what is dear to him. God gives us himself he makes us part of what he is doing in the world. He makes us part of what he is up to. So we're going to look at this passage under these three headings. In Christ, we're part of the family of the Father, the mission of the Son, and we have the presence of the Spirit. The family of the Father, the mission of the Son, the presence of the Spirit. We're part of a family. We have family access to God, our family has a mission. This is the family mission. And we are the presence of God's family in the world by the Holy Spirit. Family access, family mission, family presence. These, it's the same point made three different ways. Let's dive in. The family of the Father. Look at the passage again. God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The Gentiles of Galatia are wondering, hey, do we need to obey the, all the Old Testament law. And one of the things that Paul is doing in this book, he contrasts the logic of the law versus the logic of the gospel. And you see a son-slave difference he's making in this particular passage. The logic of the law, and he's, he says we're redeemed from under the law. The logic of the law is we obey, and if we've done that sufficiently and actually perfectly, totally righteously, then we belong. The logic of the gospel is different. The law is obey and then you belong. The logic of the gospel is this, because of God's grace in Christ, we belong as a gift of grace because of the work of Jesus on our behalf. If you're new to Christianity, this is what you need to know. There's a gift to receive, a gift of letting Jesus work count in your behalf there's a gift to receive. And 
the obedience actually flows from receiving that gift. We belong because of God's grace to us in Christ. And because of that, obey as sons. So the obedience isn't slave obedience where you wonder, hey, have I done enough? Have I, uh, am I out of God's favor now? Am I out of God's family now? The obedience flows, and this is the obedience of sons, it's son obedience, flows from gratitude and grace. Hey, Gentiles, which is us, most of us, we are not under the law, we are sons. So the argument of the passage is we're adopted as sons through the work of Christ, and the spirit of the son is in our hearts so that we cry, Abba, Father. Now, he is saying, men and women, he's actually saying we are all sons, and I want to speak uh, for a second to my sisters in Christ. Uh, don't get tripped up on this. So men need to make a mental adjust, adjustment. We are part of the church that is the bride of Christ, that we are dearly beloved in Christ, the bride of Christ. Sisters are invited to make this mental adjustment. Uh, the point is this, sons usually had better inheritance rights in the ancient world. And he makes the point explicitly in the book of Galatians, we all have the same status. So actually the paragraph before this, before the passage I just read, Paul says, Okay, apart from gender or apart from ethnicity, we all have the same status in Jesus. This is Galatians 3. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Liberty, you're adopted and now part of the new family in Jesus uh, we, we are part of the family of the Father. In the ancient world, when you're adopted, you have the family's name. You have the family's vocation or calling. What that family is about, you're now about what that family does. And you actually have rights to the family inheritance, which is actually in this passage. We're not just sons, but heirs. Because of Jesus, we are adopted in Christ. You're part of the family of the Father. And this changes actually how we relate to God, and it changes how we relate to each other. We have access to God as family members. Think of it like, like this. We have family access to debt to God. I can't ask your dad for things like you can ask your dad for things. The gospel says we actually approach God now, as beloved family members, we cry out, Abba, Abba. Uh, this is the word in Aramaic that was used in the home. It was a word young children used for father. You can hear, you know, think of little kids being able to say Abba. And there's a boldness and intimacy. It was striking enough that it wasn't translated uh, when the Bible began to be translated and even out of Aramaic into Greek, they kept this word, Abba, uh, because of how striking the revelation is that we call God Father, we call him Abba. There's a boldness and intimacy in our access. We have access to God as family members. 
We have that right, that privilege. And this couldn't be more Trinitarian. And of course, Trinitarian means of the Trinity. I'm talking about Father, Son, and Spirit. God's family is at work in making us part of this family. The Spirit of the Son leads us to pray like the Son and call God Father. Part of the liberty story, okay, we, is that we actually seek to fight for dependence upon God in prayer. Uh, we have this Liberty Leadership Day, which used to be, there was an earlier version of this leader's retreat, and we, we would always say we fight for three things. We try to be reminded of the vision, we try to be reminded and refreshed in prayer, and we try to be reminded of our love for each other. We need to be reminded of our mission, be refreshed in prayer, and we need to love each other. That's actually what we're called to. Actually, we have family access to God, and we're supposed to see each other as family members. So uh, I don't know if you've ever admired a large family, been around someone's large, fun family, and you watch them do events or celebrate a holiday, and you're like, wow, that's a large family a super large, fun family. Being a Christian is actually becoming part of the world's most massive family. Recently, I stayed in New York City at a, at a brownstone on the Upper West Side that's actually, it's sort of an Airbnb for people in ministry. It's used by missionaries and pastors all over the world. I stayed there with, with my youngest daughter, and this this 20-bedroom brownstone has little journals on the outside of the doors, and people over the years have written notes in the journals. The floor I was staying, the floor that I was staying on was used uh, in the early 1900s for women thinking about a call to missions at different places in the world. There was a girl that went uh, from that floor and served in Nepal. They served all over the world. More recently, in the journal, there's a guy doing college ministry in Boston. There was these ministry folks from Australia, a pastor from Ireland, and I wrote a little note, Steve from Covenant and the Liberty Communion of Churches, and people shared Bible verses with each other. It was a reminder of this. When you become a Christian, you become part of a large, diverse, historical, international family. You're part of a massive family. There was a famous church plant in Northern Liberties um, where I lived for a couple decades, a uh, neighborhood in Philadelphia. It's called the First Presbyterian Church of Northern Liberties. And a lot of people came to faith there. And the pastor that had a gift for evangelism, his name was James Patterson. And in a sermon that he wrote around 1830, uh, a, it was a sermon for a membership Sunday. People were joining the church. Some of those folks were being baptized. Uh, a lot of those folks were being baptized. And this is how he explained membership. He said, actually, the vows that you're making, the vows that you're making, joining the family of God, through Christ. He said, it will outlast the earth as we know it. Interestingly, 
this church building is no longer there. This, the block that it existed on, the street no longer exists. It's all part of one large building. But what he said is true. Being part of the family of God lasts forever. Being part of the family of God lasts forever. Liberty, we are part of a family of churches, a communion of churches. Uh, let's remember that we chose the word communion intentionally. We actually share deeply with God. We share deeply with each other. And we're not alone. We seek to have each other's back. We seek to help each other. We seek to help each other when there's uh, some crisis or thing to navigate together. We also seek to do ministry with each other. We do stuff together. We're about the mission of faith. Uh, there's a passage I'm going to quote again in full at the end of the sermon. In Galatians 6, Paul says, look, let's do good to all as we have opportunity, everyone we can, but especially those who belong to the household of faith. What's he saying? Hey, if you have Jesus, you're part of something, and yeah, we're, let's do good to all the people we can, but especially, isn't that right, to those who belong to the family of faith. And that's true for churches. Let's be, continue to be churches that help each other, serve each other. This has always been part of Liberty's message. There's something to fight for here in an individualistic age, in a partisan, angry age. Okay, the world is so angry right now. What happens online increasingly is happening in the real world. It's like we're, uh, what happens online, it's like we're walking around with static electricity, just waiting for someone to post something so we can discharge the anxiety and anger. It's really unhealthy what's going on in our culture right now. And in that context, in this cultural moment, we're called as Christians to fight being a community together, to invite people into a different kind of community, to be a peaceful community, a joyful community, a forgiving community, to be a family, to live out being the family of God. Liberty, you're part of the family of the Father. And guess what? This family has, has a mission. We have a family business, okay? It's the mission of Jesus. The mission of the Son. This is the next point. Look at the mission of the Son, which is the family mission in this passage. So there's two sendings. We'll go back to Galatians 4 here and just look at it. There's two sendings. God sent forth his Son, verse 4, and then because we are sons and are now adopted, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Uh, here's the biblical trajectory. The Son is sent. Jesus was given a mission by the Father, and he, he's actually explicit about this. He says things like, I'm just, give, I'm just doing the things that the Father has given me to do. That both involved both words, the message of the gospel, and deeds. Deeds of love and miracles. So the Son is sent. Jesus is given a mission. And then biblically, the Spirit is sent. That's what happens next. The mission of Jesus continues because Jesus' Spirit 
is on and in his people. The Son is sent, the Spirit is sent, and now Jesus' sentness becomes our sentness. Jesus' sentness means that we're sent. This is explicit in the Gospel of John, John 20. So there's an appearance of Jesus to his disciples after his resurrection. He's resurrected from the dead, verse 20 of John 20. He shows them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus' sentness becomes our sentness. Guess what happens next? Well, the next verse, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The way Jesus sentness becomes our sentness is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is all over the scriptures. Earlier in the, uh, the gospel of John, Jesus promises to come. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is explicit in the book of Acts. So the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus tells his disciples, look, wait for the gift of the Father. And he says, verse 8, Acts 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What does this mean for us? Liberty, we are churches that continue the mission of God depending upon the Father in prayer, and depend, depending upon the power and gifting of the Holy Spirit. We depend on the Spirit of God, and we pray dependently and earnestly to the Father with the boldness that God gives us by His Spirit. There is a family-like obligation to each other as we do the work of mission. Okay, uh, We like to say at Liberty, we can do more together than we can alone. And that's true for us as individual believers. We can do more good in the world. We can help more people. We can bless more people. We can encourage each other more if we stay connected. That's true as churches. We can do more together than we can alone. There's an exemplary church in the book of Acts. It's the church at Antioch. And this is the first time we see this in the New Testament a church actively helping another church. So in Acts 11, uh, God tells them, look, there's going to be a famine. There's going to be a famine in your whole region of the world, a massive famine. And then we read this, Acts 11, verse 29. This is in Antioch. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So that church sends relief. They do food insecurity relief, sending it to the leaders, the elders. They're sending a gift, and their leaders, Barnabas and Saul, carry this monetary gift to the elders of the church, churches in Judea. This is striking enough that Luke, the author of Acts, notes it. This is the heart of God. 
God wants his disciples to love each other. God wants churches to help each other. That's why we're doing what we're trying to do. That's why Liberty is not a loose network, but a communion of churches to be part of. We're, we've made a commitment to help each other in ministry. Can't we rejoice about this too? That the, the relatively small Easter outreach that ended up being a massive one weekend outreach now serves seven to 9,000 people like think about seven to 9,000 families being served every week. This is the heart of God. Churches helping other churches and ministries. And yes, um, there's a continual calling in this. When you're made part of the family for the mission to continue, we need to continue to act like we're family. So this is the sermon where and this is the time of year where our leaders remind each other, and as churches we remind each other, we've been given a mission together, let's help each other do that. Here's a news flash: church planning, still a good idea, still something to rejoice about, still something to pray about, we should pray for it publicly, we should rejoice in it, we should, uh, we get to be a part of it. A couple updates, I told you about Ted Jordan replanting Liberty Glassboro this year. Pray for them publicly as a church. Pray for them. Lift them up. Pray for John Robinson and Liberty Tampa and his team. Pray for this newest uh, team gathering, and they're going to launch publicly this year, Liberty Bristol and Kyle Connect in the southeast corner of Bucks County. Think about what we get to be a part of. Nothing less than the mission of Jesus. Where does our confidence for these things come from? Where do we get the confidence uh, to step into these things? Is this presumptuous? Actually, look what God gives us in this passage. The presence of the Holy Spirit. Go back to the passage. God sent his son and God sent his spirit. Verse 6, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And the Holy Spirit in the scriptures does two different things. It's how we experience our belovedness and how we experience the fact that we really are children of God. So that's in the passage here. It's by the spirit of the son that we cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Abba, Father, Father. We let the Holy Spirit lead our prayers, teach us to pray. God's Spirit is amongst us as we pray. By the Spirit, we get assurance of our belovedness. And also by the Spirit, okay, when you zoom out in the Scriptures, by the Spirit, we have gifts of the Spirit and power to do the work of ministry. The gift of the Spirit is what enables Jesus to minister through us. Jesus said in John 14, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. It's the Holy Spirit. The helper. It's also translated comforter. Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, you're given the Spirit, and we're, we're to seek to be filled with the Spirit, depend on the Spirit, 
pray that we'd be led by the Spirit, the one who's with us forever. Jesus, this is his promise. He's with us forever. Again, John 14, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Liberty, this means we're not alone. We're actually asked by God to believe and trust that God is with us, in us. He wants to work through us. Jesus himself prays in us. Jesus prays through us and in us. The Spirit of God himself prays, Abba, Father. And there are works that God gives us to do. There's actually things in the world prepared for your church to do in your community, prepared for you to do as an individual believer. So all over the Liberty Communion, we end our worship services by doing some kind of sending, some kind of final blessing to go in peace and serve the Lord, some kind of sending. We remind ourselves at the end of our services, look, we're sent to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus now. We've been the church gathered together. Now, at the end of our services, we're going to be scattered throughout our region. We're called to be the hug of Jesus, the tears of Jesus, the serving hands of Jesus. We're called to share the words of Jesus. And we're sent out with the blessing of God, with a benediction where God like comforts our hearts, establishes us in every good work and word he gives us to do. We're sent out with blessing. Let's just remember, okay, if Jesus hadn't said what he'd said, that would be presumptuous. It would sound kind of insane. To stand up and be like, okay, you're all going to be Jesus in the world now. You're going to serve with Jesus' hands. You're going to be Jesus' feet, share Jesus' words. You're going to go do what Jesus did. If Jesus hadn't said what he said, that would be insane. If the scriptures didn't call us the body of Christ, it would be presumptuous. But the Bible does call us the body of Christ. We're the hands and feet of Jesus, and that's our privilege we are the family of God and God's very presence in the world. That's what it is to be a Christian. That's what we're part of. We get to be a part of the body of Christ. And there's calling for us as churches in this, in the sending and in the presence of the Spirit with us. There's also a calling here for individual believers. There's something here for you as an individual believer I want to uh, read to you that passage I mentioned earlier in Galatians 6. The Apostle Paul writes, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And that's comforting just right there. Uh, we can grow weary. We can be tempted to be weary. We can be tempted to wonder if it's worth it. And the Apostle Paul, when he says reap, it's a loaded word. It means like, hey, you're going to see don't give up. You'll eventually see impact. It also means eternal reward. It means the things you do for God actually matter forever. That's actually precious to God and unbelievably worth it at the end. It's very mysterious. In the 
Galatians passage that we read multiple times. The passage ends by saying, you're an heir. You're not just a son, but an heir. We actually, here's the bonus point. We have the family inheritance and the family reward. What we do for God matters forever. Uh, we actually have inheritance. God's reward is given to us in Christ. So don't give up. Don't grow weary in doing good. In due season, we will reap. And then look at this. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Let's do all the good we can, everywhere we can. And there's an important and, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. To your family. Let's do good to all and every neighbor, every coworker, everyone that God puts in our path as we have opportunity. And also, there's a special uh, calling to serve and love and assist other believers. A widow texted me this week just to give thanks to God. She's recently widowed, less than a month. And she just wanted to share how encouraged she was. Someone shoveled her snow and she went to lunch and someone provided lunch and her, her text said, I'm seeing again and again how God is providing for me. God is providing for me. Now some might say, well, hey, people serve, you know, people are the ones who shoveled the snow. People paid the bill. What she saw is this truth. God is actually providing, serving, and helping this widow through his people. That's our privilege. Liberty, that's our calling. Liberty, we are part of the family of the Father. Liberty, we have the mission of the Son. It's the family business. And yes, we have the Spirit. We have the Spirit with us. Let's continue to be Jesus' very presence in his world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem on the same podcast feed where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.